shelf for cash money Cause we laying it down Money making is my thing Cause I'm trying to be rich Trying to put away meals That's why I'm in the studio dropping hits Dropping rap after rap Like you sell key after key Backed up by the best press Dropping beat after beat My click is the hot boys Especially we so high And dangerous if we beef with the whole block No feeding us at all players Cause we roll too deep With AKs off safety Knocking busters off their feet I go by the name of BG I ride on Chrome and deny 8 Lexus 3 I bust a dome for baby on this B3 Because I know one thing He'll do the same for me. We family. Cash money is a moment. Better get a navy. So if you ever play a heavy, look at you ain't gravy. Don't try to knock me, player, cause I'll leave your head stale. Light you up real good, you will never get well. Cash money is a moment. Better get a navy. So if you ever play a heavy for you, it ain't gravy. Cash money is a moment. Better get a navy. So if you ever play a heavy for you, it ain't gravy. I got a pass if you don't. Don't let these tears fool you. It's all dog around this mug. I'm good. What's going on, Who That Nation? It is yours truly, TJ Jones. And yes, I am the host of the State of the Saints podcast. I had to pause so y'all can envision me, you know, by my head. But thank you so much for checking out the State of the Saints podcast, where we talk, New Orleans Saints. Thank you so much for being here. I ask that you hit the like button on your way in. And a uh, shout out to everybody in the chat right now. Really do appreciate it. Uh, another week, another win for the New Orleans Saints. I mean, it feels good to be 2-0. This is something that the Saints haven't been in over a decade. It's amazing, man. But uh, it's good that we're here. We talked a little bit about some of the issues that we thought uh, plagued the New Orleans Saints. Uh, you know, some of the issues when it comes to the offensive line, uh, you know, some of the uh, plays offensively. Uh, but we're going to talk about the offensive side of the ball today, and we're going to be talking about the running backs. Uh, of course, uh, pretty sure a lot of you already know, uh, head coach Dennis Allen uh, came out and said that Jamal Williams is dealing with a hamstring injury, and it's going to take him a few weeks in order for him to get back. Uh, but there are uh, some good reports that are out there right now, and it involves a rookie a third-round pick, Kendra Miller. Uh, he was dealing with a hamstring in his own right, but is uh, being said that he will be available week three versus the Green Bay Packers. So the rookie will be making his NFL debut this weekend in Lambeau uh, against the Green Bay Packers. So uh, that's some good news. Uh, but of course, you know, you think about Kendra Miller, and, and I just mentioned it. He's a rookie. He's a guy that doesn't have that much experience uh, NFL-wise. Uh, he's a really good back. Um, he shows some positive things, of course, but – uh, you know, we're wondering to ourselves, is that going to be enough? Is that going to be enough? Uh, should the New Orleans Saints uh, go out to Lambeau Field to take on the Green Bay Packers with the running back room they already have? Now, uh, the Saints have waived uh, running back slash wide receiver Kirk Merritt uh, on today. If you're 
listening to this on a Wednesday. He has been released, uh, but that only leads, uh, if I'm not mistaken, Tony Jones Jr., uh, Ellis Merriweather, who was on the practice squad, and Kendra Miller, the rookie. And, of course, you got to throw in Taysom Hill right there because, I mean, Taysom Hill played a huge role in the running game against Carolina. But I'm wondering, is that going to be enough? Uh, should the New Orleans Saints go out and get a veteran running back that is on the street? Now, I came up with a solution, and it was uh, the talk of uh, X. You know, when I posted it, this tweet um, about Leonard Fournette, and I asked the question, should the Saints uh, consider Leonard Fournette due to the fact that, you know, the New Orleans Saints are kind of depleted at the running back position. And regardless to uh, Alvin Kamara coming back after this game, you still need some depth at the running back position. You still need uh, a running back that can be able to complement Alvin Kamara. You know, Alvin Kamara is amazing. I mean, he can do so many different things. He doesn't have to leave the field. I think we all know that, but there are times where you're going to need a change of pace. Uh, you need that battering ram back to be able to move the chains and also be able to provide uh, Alvin Kamara opportunity to go to the sidelines, get a Gatorade break if necessary, because, you know, even though he'll be back, I mean, he's been out for three weeks. And if you add on the fact that the Saints haven't played since January, you have to think about Alvin Kamara's uh, overall conditioning at that particular time so what do you do I mean I, I thought about some of the running backs that they have out there on the street and uh, I looked up a few that that are available as of right now uh, of course I mentioned uh, Leonard Fournette uh, as the top running back uh, that's out there right now uh, you also have Daryl Williams who was with the New Orleans Saints during the offseason in training camp he's available he's still looking for a team I think uh, I heard reports that he was visiting the Houston Texans uh, you 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 have Kendra, uh, I mean yeah, Kenyon Drake, uh, Kenyon Drake, who is out there. You know he was uh, with the Indianapolis Colts, but he was released. Amir Abdullah, um, you know he played a little bit um, with the Vikings uh, and with the Raiders. You have Duke Johnson, who's more of a catch the ball out of a backfield type guy. Uh, so there's still some guys out there that the Saints, if they wanted to, they can go out there and, and try to sign. But uh, regardless, you know, it's good to know that Kendra Miller is going to be uh, available. And also you get a lot of positive uh, feeling when it comes to the running back room from what you saw from Tony Jones Jr. against Carolina. Now, it's a completely different beast going up against the Green Bay Packers. Their, their front is pretty stout. And I know it may not uh, seem that way because uh, you know, Atlanta was able to run on them. But I just think that people have to understand and open their eyes, regardless if you like Atlanta or not. Uh, they have a really good offensive line, probably the best offensive line in the South, and they have a really good running game. So uh, the, there are going to be a few teams that have a really stout defensive front they're going to be able to run against. I mean, you might not want to hear that, but it's just the truth, folks. Uh, but I expect Green Bay to be prepared. Um their defensive line going up against the Saints offensive line, nothing about the Saints offensive line has uh, given us confidence that they will be able to handle that defensive front. I mean, we have seen it over the last two weeks, no matter if it's a super stout front like the Tennessee Titans or a front that's, uh, you know, kind of questionable as of right now when it comes to Carolina. Teams have been able to get pressure on Derek Carr, and they've been able to do what they need to do defensively 
when it comes to their defensive line. So I expect Green Bay to be prepared. I expect for them to be motivated. I expect for them to be ready and, you know, being at home uh, for this game. So the Saints are going to have to be ready to be able to, you know, run the football and find ways to do so. But I, I would love to hear from you. I'm going to go ahead and, uh, you know, open up the chat here. I'll read some of your comments, see what you all have to say in regards to the running back room. Uh, what do you think the Saints should do? Are you okay with their running back room as of right now? Do you think they need to sign someone? Uh, just let me know. Says, I hope Miller is a full go. Yeah, he is a full go. According to uh, some of the reports, it's more than likely going to be a full go for this one. Uh, TJ, is Kareem Hunt off the board? Yeah, he is off the board. He signed with Cleveland, which I I was, I mean, I, I said that I think the last episode, I said he was going to, uh, Cleveland was going to sign him. That's not a surprise. He came from them. You know, he was the complimentary back to uh, Nick Chubb last season. Uh, of course, he wanted a payday, but, you know, he didn't end up getting it. So he was still out there on the street. So that was kind of a blessing in disguise for not only uh, Kareem Hunt, but the Cleveland that's been there that understands your offense. And he can, if, if he's okay when it comes to his uh, physical health, he should be able to play on Sunday. You know, so that's that's a good thing. He he should know that offense uh, pretty well, being there for the last couple of years before he decided to become a free agent. Uh, strolling down a little bit, says, uh, but that O-line needs to get their stuff straight fast. Yeah, the offensive line definitely needs to improve, Jerry. You know, th this is uh, something that uh, is very, very concerning. You know, I understand about the Saints offense as far as the quarterback, wide receiver, chemistry. That's going to take some time. But... I'm just concerned about the offensive line because we need the offensive line to be able to protect Derek Carr while he figures it out with the wide receivers. If he's taking these hits, I mean, he's not going to be available very long. I mean, it only takes one hit uh, to knock out your quarterback and him being out or being seriously injured. So we don't want that. Um, we want to see Derek Carr uh, really improve week by week and develop a chemistry with his wide receivers so the Saints can be successful offensively throughout the season. Aaron Jones didn't practice again today. When is the final injury report out? Usually the final injury report is out <laughs> the day of, you know, <laughs> the day of, you know, like, uh, you know, if somebody is going to be, uh, you know, a go or not. But, you know, I think if I'm not mistaken, I think the, the first injury report, uh, you know, comes out today. And then, you know, of course, you can kind of understand the uptick of what can possibly happen based on if a guy didn't practice today, if a guy didn't practice tomorrow, you pretty much know that he's probably going to be out, right? Uh, if you don't see limited practice, uh, you know, or you see out on Wednesday, out on Thursday, more than likely they're probably not going to play in the game. But, um, you know, Aaron Jones is an incredible talent. Uh, he definitely uh, would be a huge factor for Green Bay if he's a part of the game. They count on him just like the Saints count on Alvin Kamara. So, if he's not in the game, that'll be a crushing blow, especially since in, in Green Bay, they got a lot of young wide receivers out there. And then you have a young, inexperienced quarterback, too. So it's good to have a veteran, a guy that you can check the ball down to in order to uh, make your life a little bit better. So if Aaron Jones isn't available, that, that'll be a crushing blow uh, for the Green Bay Packers offense. Uh, let's see. I hope the Lions beat the Falcons. Well, I mean, the Lions are a good football team, but the Lions, to me, they remind me to be honest with you, they remind me of the 2016 Saints. 
I mean, a, a team that is a high-powered offense, but they can't stop nobody. Like, their defense is not very good. You know, I think Aaron Glenn is on a hot seat, which he should be. You know, I like Aaron Glenn a lot. I like his confidence. Uh, I, I like the fact of uh, how he treats his men and he holds them accountable, but he's not very good as a defensive coordinator right now. So if he can match the intensity of offensive coordinator Ben Johnson, the Lions would be a really good football team. I still think they're a real good football team, but I think they're a defense away from really truly being a contender in the NFC. But, uh, I mean, this we'll see. You know what I mean? We've seen the Lions go out there, play tough at Arrowhead, which is a tough place to play. Anybody will tell you that. Going up against the world champion Kansas City Chiefs, pulling off the upset. I know they lost to the Seattle Seahawks last week, but the Seattle Seahawks are a pretty good team. Uh, you got to give credit what credit is due to Pete Carroll. He's just a really good coach. Uh, he, he gets those young players. He develops them. I think that goes to his time when he was at USC and he was able to bring talent in and develop those guys into NFL talent. So um, I, 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 don't, I don't look at Detroit losing to Seattle like that's just the worst thing in the world. I mean, Seattle was a playoff team. I mean, I know they picked in the top five, but that was because they made a trade with the Denver Broncos for Russell Wilson. That was a playoff team. And then you have a, a team that believes in their philosophy of running a football and playing good, sound defense. And, uh, you know, so Detroit, I think they'll bounce back. I think it's going to be a good game. I think it's going to be a tough game. Uh, but um, it's probably going to be high scoring due to the fact that uh, when I look at uh, Detroit, they're kind of hard to stop no matter what defense you bring there. And uh, defensively, they can't stop anybody. So there you go. It's going to it's probably going to be if I'm if I'm a bed man based on this this matchup it might end up being game of the weekend. Uh, let's see, absolutely, TJ. We have uh, already seen from last year what happens with injuries and why wait until you are. Yeah, uh, Kathleen. You know, I, I'm I'm a big believer in learning from your mistakes. Uh, you know, if you know that you're driving down the road, and I'm I'm pretty sure people from New Orleans can attest to this. If you know that pothole is in the middle of the street, you're not going to go speeding down that highway, right? You know what I'm saying? You're going to slow down, right? Because one time or another, you hit that pothole and your whole car shook and you almost turned over, right? <laughs> so you learn from those mistakes. You learn from that, right? So I think the Saints need to learn from their mistakes before they hit another pothole again. I mean, we know that injuries have plagued this team. Definitely want to be prepared. And I, I think based on the injury history of the New Orleans Saints, I think you should be prepared because you have an opportunity to look at these situations from all angles because one time or another you've been here. So I do feel like, you know, they need to be prepared. Uh I think they were prepared uh for a possible injury, the way that Taysom Hill was able to come into the game. And a lot of the ways that they lined up Taysom Hill were ways I didn't see. I ain't never seen Taysom Hill like on a on a toss play. I ain't never seen that. Like, have y'all ever seen a, the, the quarterback Drew Brees or Jameis Winston do a halfback toss to Taysom? I mean, a, a dive play, you know what I'm saying, right up the middle, a, a delayed handoff or something, but I ain't never seen a toss play uh, to to uh, Taysom Hill. So that showed you right there, you know, they, they're prepared. But I think that Taysom Hill, because he's so talented, and you can use him in a multifaceted of ways, you'll be limiting him to just one particular position by having him just play running back. But 
based on what I've seen from Taysom, he definitely needs to be utilized in the red zone. I feel like that would help uh, some of the Saints' red zone woes. And uh, also, I think they just need to add Jimmy Graham in the red zone as well. I think that'll help out also. But I, I do think they need to uh, be able to figure out what they want to do at running back, even when Alvin Kamara gets back, because Jamal Williams was his backup, and now he's not there anymore. Uh, let's see. I hope the Eagles beat the Suckaneers on Monday night. Well, look, I'm going to be honest with you. If they lose, and I'm talking Tampa, if they lose to the Eagles, that wouldn't be a surprise to me. If the Eagles lose to the Bucs, that would be a huge surprise. And I think you would have to concede uh, that they are pretty legit, you know, but I expect for, I expect for, um, you know, Baker Mayfield uh, to try to take a step back. I ain't never had anything against Baker Mayfield. I wasn't in that that category where it said he suck, he stink. I didn't, I, I never thought he sucked or he stink. I, I think that a lot of what, uh, happened with Baker Mayfield. He was more of a fall guy. Uh, as you can see, Kevin Stefanski isn't all he cracked up to be. I mean, look at uh, Deshaun Watson. I mean, he's a mere shell of himself. I know some people might say, oh, you know, he's been out of the game for two years, but that's a talented young man, regardless to how you may feel about him in his personal life. When he gets on that field, he's extremely talented. And now under Kevin Stefanski, he looks like a mere shell of himself. So, I think Baker Mayfield, I think there's something there. Um, do I ever think he will ever be NFL MVP? Hex no, uh, but I, I do think that he can manage a game and, and keep a team afloat, and he has, all right? I mean, this team is 2-0 right now, and it's not just because he's managing a game. I mean, Mike Evans went over 100. If they go and they beat the Eagles, I think they plan, if I'm not mistaken, I think it's a home game for the Bucs. But if they beat the Eagles, I think you have to concede that they're pretty legit. I mean, you may not want to, but you're going to have to. Cool Sports, thank you very much for the 199. Says, is Kareem Hunt still available? Uh, no, uh, Cool Sports, thank you for the 199. But uh, no, he's he's not available. Um, he got picked up by the Cleveland Browns due to the injury. And I'm praying for this brother, Nick Chubb. And... um. Speaking of that, um, I actually wrote an article on Gumbo Pot Sports that I want you all to check out. Um, it's an article about the running back position and how it's been devalued. So I'm asking everybody to check it out. It's on GumboPotSports.com. Um, wrote an article about the, the running back position and how it is devalued and how it's so hard for these guys to get their money. And it just puts everything into perspective when you see running backs like Nick Chubb and, and running backs like Saquon Barkley, who has been trying to get his money and now he has a setback. And the next thing you know, you have teams that will be using this as leverage to try to lowball him contractually. So check it out. 127 people watch, uh, well, watching this, listening to this right now, so used to being on camera, uh, ask that you hit the like button right now. Hit the like button if you enjoy the content. Uh, why wait until you back, uh, your back is against the wall? Well, I, I don't know. You know, Kathleen, I mean, it's kind of human nature to a certain extent to not be prepared, but I, I'm definitely on board with your first statement that you made about, uh, you know, dotting your I's and crossing your T's when you actually been through the situation. It's one thing to never have been through the situation, but this team has, and because they have, you would expect for them to be able to be prepared because of it. So I, I would be, you know, I'll be trying everything I possibly can to make sure that my team stays afloat. But I think, you know, they probably would roll with the guys that's already there because they don't want to, I guess, mess with the chemistry. 
um, you know, due to the fact that those guys have been around. I'm talking Ellis Merriweather, Tony Jones Jr. They they have a little bit of rapport with the offensive line, the offensive coaches. The coaches know what they're going to get with those guys and vice versa. So it might be best, but I still feel like you still need a veteran running back with some level of NFL NFL experience that has been in certain situations. I think that that what every team needs. I think at every position, I think you need a combination of young guys and seasoned veterans. And I think right now in the running back room, the Saints are lacking those seasoned veterans. I, I don't I don't look at Tony Jones Jr., even though he's been in the league for four seasons as a seasoned veteran. I mean, this guy's been in the, in the league for four years and he scored his first touchdown last week against Carolina or on Monday night. I guess this would be considered this week. Yeah, he scored his uh, first touchdown in the NFL. So I don't look at him as a seasoned veteran. I think what the Saints need is a guy who's been there, done that. And that's why I've been advocating for a guy like Leonard Fournette. think that it would be a good change of pace back for a guy like Alvin. Um, he's a guy that can win those uh, short yardage situations. Uh, my biggest concern would be about Leonard Fournette is his overall physical health. Um, sometimes, you know, I hate to say it, but it don't seem like he takes really good care of himself at times. But if he's uh, mentally ready, uh, physically ready, I would definitely uh, advocate for him. But those those would be my conditions that he's physically healthy and he's uh you know doing his best. He, he's he's uh working really hard uh, condition wise to get on the field. Uh, let's see, uh, TJ, uh, did you have us losing the Carolina in your predictions? Um, when I first, I don't know. I know, no, I didn't. I did not. I didn't. I didn't. I, I had the Saints losing their first game against New England. That was, that was the first game that I had. Um, I think when I was on, I don't know, I think I may have been on Hoodie Show. Um, I think I did a prediction and I was saying that Carolina at that particular time, but that was like really, really, really early in the offseason process. But getting the opportunity to look at the teams and evaluate them and see what they have on the State of the Saints podcast prediction, I had the Saints winning it. But yeah. But I, I don't have the Saints. I had the Saints' first loss was against the New England Patriots. So as of right now, um, I'm I'm looking pretty good. Let's see. Uh, here we go again. Problems with the offensive line and run game. Dennis Allen is clueless to coaching this team. He can give Tony Jones and Merriweather some love. Um, Paulie, um, I don't think the guy's clueless. And honestly, with a with a two and zero start, it's not a really good take to have right now, my friend. <laughs> It's not a really good take to have, to be quite honest with you, man. But look, look, I understand people's feelings about Dennis Allen, but I, I'm seeing a different Dennis Allen. I, I'm seeing a Dennis Allen that's animated. I'm seeing a Dennis Allen that's vocal. And I'm also seeing a, a guy who who has a team looking like his personality. You know, like uh, the energy is there. The confidence is there. And um, look, this man knows defense. Like, I, I want people to understand this. Like, can you imagine if Dennis Allen this season? I mean, I couldn't imagine. I mean, I know people may not like Dennis Allen. A lot of people still question him as a head coach. I still have my questions. But right now, he's having a good run at it. And, and you have to say some of the things that Sean Payton lacked in when it comes to recruiting talent and getting guys to buy into the same system, he's done a really good job at. I mean, I can think of several scenarios where the Saints needed a certain player that was a free agent 
but they just couldn't close the deal. But when it comes to Dennis Allen, I, I have yet to see a player that the Saints desperately wanted to go after under Dennis Allen, and they didn't get. I mean, they went after Tyron Matthew, they got him. They went after Jarvis Landry, they got him. They went after Derek Carr, they got him. You know, I mean, you can say Kareem Hunt, they even got him. But that was more of his his agent, you know, like, you know, renege, I don't want to say reneging, but like overturning his decision. Because, you know, a, a lot of these players, they listen to their agents, right? I mean, they may want to sign with a team, but the agent might be like, I can get you money somewhere else. So he's done a really good job in that regard. I, I want people to be very, very careful about using in last year's narratives and applying it to this year's narratives. And sometimes, like, we want to be right so badly when we think about it. We want to be right so badly that we completely suspend everything or the positive aspects of what we're actually watching because we're so focused and enamored on what we actually saw before. But what I'm seeing right now, I'm seeing a team that was 2-0, haven't been 2-0 since 2013. I'm seeing a team that has the best defense in football. Yes, I'm saying that. And I'm seeing a team that's, that's ticking in the right direction when it comes to young talent and, uh, you know, also just those guys that they're developing uh, when they're picking them up in the draft. So I think that's what you want, at, at, you know, as a fan, um, as an onlooker, as a person that wants a team to be successful. They're checking all the boxes right now. So I, I can't really say too much bad. I can't say too many bad things about Dennis Allen as of right now. If I'm saying bad things about Dennis Allen, it's probably because I probably already had that level of resentment for him in the first place. And I'm just waiting for things to fail which I don't want people to be like that. Like, I want you to be able to judge this team based on what you're seeing right now because last year is not going to do anything for you besides get you upset at the littlest issues. Uh, Green Bay uh, line is decent, but nowhere near a good as good as Carolina or Tennessee. Miller gets uh, thrown into the fire, not mad at it. Uh, be good to see if he can hold his own uh, this week uh, before Kamara returns. Well, look, they got some talented guys on that defensive line, man. Um, I think that when it comes to Carolina, uh, you can look at uh, Derrick Brown. Louisville is a, is a linebacker, you know, but Derrick Brown is probably the best uh, line, defensive lineman they have on the team. Brian Burns is pretty good, too. He ain't no slouch. But I think that had a lot to do with the fact that they actually converted from a 4-3 to a 3-4. That was a 3-4 defense that Carolina is trying to run. And we know that uh, if you run a 3-4, it's kind of – you know, your your running game is going to kind of suffer a tad bit, you know. But all in all, you know, I just think that Green Bay is a good team. I think they're stout up front. They got some talented guys up front too, man. They got some, uh, you know, some guys that's flirting with all pros up there. Uh, so it's not going to be an easy feat. Like, don't just think, you know, they just going to be able to run up and down the field on Green Bay. I'd be shocked if that happens. Uh, my guy ain't this why we drafted Miller. Give him the pill and have Jones break him up. Uh, let me see. We'll be good. Yeah, I mean, it's just one game that we're talking about. And if you also throw in uh, Taysom Hill, David, I think the Saints should be OK. But um, I'm just thinking about it from a, a from a long term uh, thing. You know, I, I would prefer to have a veteran out there, you know, in the mix. You know, I like the fact that they had Kendra Miller, but I love the fact that they had Jamal Williams, too. Uh, Fournette would be a, a good pickup. Well, I, I feel like. It would be conditional, uh, Brandon. If he's if he's uh fully healthy and you know what I'm saying, he's been taking care of himself, 
I think he'll be a good pickup. But if he's like, you know, not really together physically, I don't think it would be. But of course, that's why you have conditioning tests before you sign, guys. Uh, I'm not making no predictions about this game. I've been wrong the last two. Don't want to be wrong this time. Well, I mean, look, you don't know what you're going to get from week to week offensively, but this defense has been consistent. My biggest concern is is if the defense has a letdown game, how would the offense respond? Because it just seems like to me, like they're they're relying way too much on the defense. Like, oh man, we we gonna be all right, man. This defense gonna get a stop. But what happens if that defense has a down game? And I just think that that you know the offense need to step it up just a tad bit too. You know, I think they need to step it up. So. You really don't know what you're going to get. You know, I don't think that you should wait for a team to get into the red zone, kick a field goal in order for y'all to wake up and start slapping each other in the face and saying, come on, let's play. Nah, man, you, you got to do it from start to finish. I'm looking for a complete game by this Saints offense. That, that's what I'm looking for. I mean, and I want to see it against a team that's considered a playoff contender like the Green Bay Packers. I want to see them be able to do that. I mean, them struggling offensively against the Carolina Panthers, who – was without their number one cornerback and J.C. Horn. Uh, you know, there was a lot of issues. There's a lot of young guys on the team, almost 50% turnover uh, when it comes to uh, changing out personnel. Um, and, you know, they struggle for like three and a half quarters. And, uh, you know, I, I want to see this team have a complete game. I want to see the defense balling out, and I want to see the offense complementing it. Because if that happens, it's going to be hard to beat the New Orleans Saints. Uh, Saints are a running football team, ladies and gentlemen. They have the defense to keep them in games. Carr should not throw more than 25 times per game. Well, look, I don't think that that should be the case, but I do agree with you as of right now, the Saints are a better run team than they are a passing team. And, you know, I get I get it. You know, the modern-day NFL, people want to see 50-yard bombs down the field. People want to see all these type of trick plays and, you know, offensive innovation at its highest. But – I, I don't care how you win, like as long as you win, you know, but I, I don't want to see certain issues that can plague you and prohibit you from winning down the line. That's that's my stance. I think when people like like hear uh, me talk about the team and they say, you know, I talk as if the team lost. It, it's because I see things that could prohibit them from reaching full potential. And that's what upsets me, because I see that the potential is there. And, uh, you know, you got to make sure that you're actually doing everything you can to win these football games and not getting your own way. And that was the most frustrating thing about watching that Monday night game versus Carolina. Yeah, they won. And, you know, you can be OK with that. But the biggest issue was the fact that they were getting in their own way. It wasn't the fact that Carolina was just that good like they were like Carolina is not a good football team right now. Even a Carolina Panthers fan would tell you that if they're really if they are really in the now and they're really dealing with reality, they would tell you they're not a good football team right now. Will they stay like this? I don't think so. But right now they're not, right? And, and the Saints got in their own way so many times in that game that it became absolutely frustrating because that game should have been at least 17-3 at halftime. And that's the most frustrating thing about it. And you do not want to be you know, one of those teams that it could have been 17 to three against, I don't know, Detroit or 17 to three against one of these top teams that you're going to have to go up against. You know, those teams are going to be able to take advantage of those opportunities. Oh, y'all going to kick a field goal. Let's go down there and score a touchdown. 
And then you're trying to find your way through throwing the football left and right and all that kind of stuff, trying to get back into the game. Why make it hard on yourself when you don't have to? That That's my question. I know people want me to not say anything when the Saints win because, you know, they won and everything else doesn't matter. But I hate to say it. It does matter. Let's see. Uh, Marcus May just got suspended for three games. Uh, why did he get suspended for three games? What what did he do? Is it is it because of the DUI situation that he had? Let's see, uh, Lord TJ, uh, they just suspended Marcus May for three games. Thank you for the one ninety nine. Uh, is this true? Is this true? I mean, I'm I'm live right now, so I I couldn't tell you if it, if it's uh, true or not. But um, actually looking it up right now on X. Um, this is around the NFL. This is a credible source. It says same safety Marcus May suspended three games for violating Sufton's abuse policy. Uh, this also comes from John Hendricks. Shout out to John, man. Guy works really, really hard. Make sure y'all uh, follow my guy, John Hendricks. Says the wording is substance abuse, so that involves Marcus May DUI arrest before he was signed with the New Orleans Saints. Uh, so I guess it because of that whole DUI situation uh, that he was dealing with. But hey, that hey, that there you go, there you go, man. But I have to say, uh, Marcus May, he was playing pretty well. I know he whiffed on that tackle with Bryce Young, uh, which I can kind of understand when you think about the way they treat quarterbacks. And he did have an interception in the, uh, the first game against Tennessee. So that just means one of these other guys are going to have to step up. You know, um, Jordan Howard, you know what I'm saying? He's going to have to come in, you know what I'm saying, and make some and make some plays. And, uh, you know, also you got Lonnie Johnson Jr. out there. You got uh, Ugo Amadi, you know what I'm saying? I mean, it, it's it's – not not all is bad here. You know what I'm saying? They still got some talented uh, safeties out there that can play. You know what I'm saying? And that can buy uh, some help and, and run support as well. So I think it should be okay. I mean, it could be. It could have been worse. Uh, hey, TJ, I'm calling it. Jameis Winston will get time under center for the Saints before this season is over because the O-line will only get worse at pass blocking and run blocking. Say it. I ain't going to lie to you, Paulie. Uh, run blocking, they look good. They look good run blocking. Like, seriously, like, they they did a really good job with the run blocking. Uh, pass protection is what what they what plagues them, and uh, that's what they need to get better. Let's see. I don't see it on any websites. Malik, it's probably because it just came out. I mean, this is – let me see. Um, I got a uh, shout-out to Ross Jackson. Uh, Ross uh, reported this on, on X uh, 21 minutes ago. Uh, you have uh, Adam Schefter uh, reported it 22 minutes ago. So I think that there you go right there. You know, Adam Schefter don't get more credible than that, right? So, um, you know, it's unfortunate, but, you know, it's next man up. It's next man up. Uh, stop it. He is not suspended for three games. J- Jerry, he is. He is suspended, man. I'm sorry to tell you. Hate to be the bearer of bad news, man, but, you know, he, he is definitely suspended, man. tragic let's see uh i'm with y'all why that decision come down three games into the season is puzzling that yeah that that is um yeah that is kind of weird that is kind of weird that they decided to suspend him i I, you know makes you wonder like i don't want to be a conspiracy theorist but how the heck with it you know makes you wonder like if the saints start off one two will we be having this conversation uh back (laughs) back up off the ledge don't jump Got legit talent behind him. Yeah. I mean, Lonnie Johnson Jr. is no slouch. Ugo Amadi is no slouch. Uh, 
Jordan Howden, you know, the, the rookie out of Minnesota, and he showed some flashes as well. So uh, not all is lost. Uh, stop shooting yourself in the foot, Saints. Uh, that has nothing to do with the Saints. You know, it had everything to do with the NFL. TJ Boyd, the league said, nah, we can't have the Saints getting off to a high start. So they waited till now to suspend May. Yeah, you know, like, yeah, they try to slow down the the, the momentum. Yeah, I don't like it, man. I wish they would have just went ahead and did at the beginning of the season like Alvin. Let's see. Uh, someone call up Deuce, tell him ice them knees and bring the heat. <laughs> I think even Deuce would tell you at this stage, nah, nah, I'm good. I'm good in the boot with Mike Haas. Uh, Shouts out to both of those guys. They do an outstanding job calling the games on WWL. Says, uh, we 2-0. Let's be happy. Car needs more chemistry with offense. I think Kamara uh, takes... Uh, offense to another level he's only one guy i mean he's an extraordinary talent but he's just one guy it's going to take more than him that uh, their offense don't have to work as a cohesive unit which they have you know if they can play like they play in the fourth quarter all three i think you know the games will be over by halftime hey tj dennis allen is uh too blockheaded <laughs> blockheaded to lead this team to a winning season he just don't have it from the neck up I, I, they two and zero right now, Paul. I mean, I don't know if you're working on your commentary or you're working on your on your act. You know, for week ten, I don't <laughs> working on your act for week ten. I don't know, man. But right now, this team is two and zero, uh, and it's kind of hard for me to just sit up here and just go after this guy right now after this team has a two and zero start. Like this is the best start they had in ten years, man. So. I mean, wait till at least by week eight, week nine or something like that. Look at the record. I don't want you to be, I don't want you to, it's not, it's like, it sounded kind of silly right now. You know what I'm saying? The team is two and no. I know you may not be a fan of um, Dennis Allen and it's well within your rights to do so, but yeah, this, yeah, that two and no is kind of hard to like really say this guy don't know what he's doing right now. Uh, when I went back and I watched the games, you see some of the D-line chirping at the offense. I like that cockiness and swagger they really need right now. Yeah, I mean, look, they need that. You know, you hear about Michael Thomas, you know, getting into it with Derrick Brown. <laughs> West side, Crip game. <laughs> but, uh, you know, yeah, you like that confidence, man. You hear, you know, Mike T. I mean, I'm seeing like a different, you know, type of Mike T. You know, Mike T usually like be kind of, you know, soft-spoken and stuff like that. You know, now he talking mad noise. You know what I'm saying? You can tell, like, he's motivated to play well this season. And I think that kind of radiates off players like that onto the entire team. And these guys want to win, man. They they want to win. And um, I guess they're looking at it like, man, there's nothing that should stand in our way from reaching full success except them. And that's the truth. Like, I don't see a team in the NFC that I feel like the Saints, if they were focused and dialed in, they can't beat. You know, I still think there's some teams that that do things uh, execution-wise better than them. But I think if the Saints were, right, really clicking on all cylinders, I don't think there's a team that they can't beat in the NFC. I don't care if it's the Cowboys. I don't care if it's the Eagles. I don't care if it's the 49ers, the Vikings, or what have you. This is a good football team. When they're motivated, I feel like they can go toe-to-toe with anybody. It may not be the prettiest win in the world. You may not score 30 points, but... You take that defense, you know what I'm saying? I, I really feel like they can neutralize Dak Prescott. You know, I feel like they can neutralize Brock Purdy. I, I feel that way. I, I really do. Let's see. I'm starting. Um, 
the fire Dennis Allen now this offense is too vanilla to be an elite team to make run at the playoffs the Super Bowl well Paul I'm gonna tell you this man uh I don't think too many people gonna sign that petition right now number one is because Dennis Allen is more of a defensive minded coach uh than you know offensive you can make an argument to say that he brought back Pete Carmichael but that would be more Pete Carmichael than Dennis Allen I mean the the nuances that makes Dennis Allen great as a coach are looking really damn good right now, which is the defense. So, it, like I said, it's probably going to be hard for anybody to sign your petition based on the 2-0 start, based on Dennis Allen's side of the football, uh, you know, reigning supreme among the NFL right now. So it's, I don't think a lot of people are going to sign that, especially, like, if you're, you're telling them to sign because the offense is, is stagnant. It's not his fault. It's more it's, That would be more P. Carmichael than Dennis. Let's see who that nation. Thank you very much for the five dollars. Says I love the passion for. I see a Dennis Allen that's more sure of himself. I see a Dennis Allen that's more confident in himself. I see a Dennis Allen that feels like this is his team. I think last year he didn't feel that way. It was a lot of layover, probably a lot of whispers in the corner saying I can run this team better than him. But now you got those guys out of here and you brought in your guys that bought into your system. And I think with that, he, they understand who the captain is and they follow in suit. So I think that that's where the confidence comes from. Why Michael Thomas can't get it going uh, and he's won uh, a one-year prove-it deal will be hard for him to go and get another team if he doesn't be more involved in the offense. What are we, like, Paul, are we trolling right now, man? Are we trolling? Like Michael Thomas is, is is very much a part of this this offense. Like very much so. I mean, this man, what he has seven catches, what fifty five yards, you know. Like, but if you want to be honest with you, if if you take away a forty two yard catch, well, forty five yard catch by Shahid and another forty three yard catch by Chris Olave, they flirting with the same stat line. So I don't know, man. I mean, the dude had more catches than all the other receivers on the team, including one of the most incredible catches that you're going to have. I, I don't know, man. Uh, Paul, I don't know if you're working on your week 10 material, man. But uh, right now in week number three, I, I don't know, man. I love you, man. I appreciate it. I always see you in the chat and you always really support of the show. But I don't I don't know about some of these these takes right now in week, in week number three based on what we actually have been seeing over the last couple of weeks. So I, I don't know, man, you know, out of respect, you know what I'm saying? I know you, you're very passionate about the team, but I don't know, man. I, I don't know if I, I agree with Michael Thomas, uh, you know, not being an integral part of the offense based on what this offense is looking like right now. I, I think he's <laughs> based on what we're seeing. I mean, he's huge. He's a huge part. And I think like once the offense starts to really click, that's when you're really going to see him contribute a little bit more. Uh, the State of Saints podcast providing the who that uh, faithful and NFL family with up to date news. Uh, if TJ don't know, uh, the no one knows facts. I don't know about all that. I don't know. Nah, give me all that. You know, a lot of the, lot of the stuff that I hear. You know, shouts out to uh, all the Saints reporters on the ground, and you know, some of those guys are you know be nice enough and kind enough to you know send me a text or something like that if they hear something. So much love to them, but. Yeah, uh, they're, they're the ones that are out there burning that midnight oil. And they're the ones that's, uh, you know, creating great commentary. They're the ones that's out there working extremely hard. I mean, I wish I could be out there, you know, but uh, until I am, I'm right here, you know, trying to give you all the best podcasts I possibly can. 
and having fun in the process. Uh, let's see, TJ, what or who would you change on our offensive line to get it better? And who would you uh, sigh uh, that's still on sign that's still on the street? I've seen that. I assume that's what you're saying, Jeremy. Who would you sign that's still on the street? Um, Lyle Collins would probably be it. Um, would be one. Uh, Taylor Lewan wouldn't be another. You know, uh, left tackle that used to play for the Tennessee Titans back in the day. Uh, Lyle Collins would actually be another guy that I would be interested in signing. Um, you know, you got a few other offensive linemen that are out there, but those are the two guys that, to me, that that just kind of stands out uh, as far as, you know, probably on the street, you probably can just put in right away and that can give you, like, instant production without very little hiccups. I mean, even with Eric Fisher, who's out there right now, you know, uh, he'll he'll give you a mixed bag. I don't think – look, this is this is your offensive line this season, who that nation. I, I I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but that's just the way it goes. Unless one of these guys end up getting hurt, which is a good thing. Like if you want to be if you want to be real, at least nobody's hurt. Like at least the offensive line that we have, they gonna be out there against Green Bay, and that's been the biggest issue. You know, the guys haven't been on the same page because they haven't spent a lot of time together because they've been kind of playing tag when it comes to the injury. One guy gets injured. And then, you know, the other guy comes back. Then when he comes back, then another guy's out. So the best thing about all this is, you know, you have two weeks of offensive line that has been relatively healthy throughout these uh, last two games. And around this time last year, you already know, it was Ryan Ramchek dealing with an injury. It was Eric McCoy dealing with an injury. It was uh, Trevor Penny who wasn't out there at all, you know, dealing with that Liz Frank. So at least they're together. Uh, TJ, do you think that A.T. Perry will get some time on the field soon? I think he will, but it would probably mean that somebody is hurt. I think if somebody was to go down, uh, somebody had to miss a game due to injury, that's when you'll see A.T. Perry. But I don't think you're just going to see him right now. I mean, what? I mean, anybody on that wide receiver group that you just feel like could play better? I don't. Maybe, I mean, you could probably throw in Keith Kirkwood or something like that, but he's mostly there because – He's probably the best blocking wide receiver out of the other ones that are on, on the bench, you know, like the Shaq Davises, uh, like the A.T. Perrys. Uh, they're, they're good, but they're not there yet. And that's one of the main reasons why Keith Kirkwood is still around, because he's the dirty work guy, at least until Traquan Smith comes back. And then, you know, I think that more than likely, then Keith Kirkwood is probably going to be, uh, you know, a healthy scratch or on a practice squad or something inactive. Uh, anyone else agrees? Just pay Paul, Carl Granderson before the end of the season so we can keep him before he scooped, uh, gets scooped up. Well, I definitely agree with that. I definitely agree with that. But you can look at this two ways, Joe. I mentioned about Kareem Hunt earlier in the show. Uh, hopefully, hopefully you were here when I mentioned that. When the Saints were going to sign Kareem Hunt, Diane Rossini was saying it, Adam Schefter was saying it, and it was actual factual. He was going to sign with the New Orleans Saints. But his agent, jumped in and intervened and said, you know what? Um, Indianapolis want to talk to you. That was during the time when Indianapolis was dealing with the situation, the situation with Jonathan Taylor, which they still are. But he, the agent thought that, you know, it would be a good idea. So he left, uh, you know, because of the word of his agent and went to Indianapolis. So what I'm saying is 
you probably have one of those situations where Carl Grandison has it right now, if I'm not mistaken, um, didn't he have a sack and a half or another sack? So that would put him at two and a half or three sacks this season. So right now he's off to a roaring start. And, you know, his agent will probably just think about, whoa, wait a minute now. You know, we probably can get you more money. You know, just hold off on the contract talks right now because now you're in a, in a precarious situation because if this guy gets double-digit sacks, he might end up, you know, pricing himself out of <laughs> your price range. You get what I'm saying? Like, he might price out of your price range. And it might be a Trey Hendrickson situation, but it all depends. I mean, if you look at it, maybe Carl Grandison probably tell his agent, you know, the Saints were there for me when nobody else was, you know, or, you know, saying the fact that he wants to continue to play there. So, I mean, there's a lot of nuances. If I was them, I agree with you, Joe. I definitely would be willing to sign him right now because based on what I've seen over the years, and this is an outlier. Like, if you've been watching Carl Grandison play, you know this is not an outlier. Every time Carl Grandison gets opportunities to play, he was a part of the defensive rotation. Every time he gets an opportunity, he makes a splash play. He shows you that he's out there. So I don't think this is an outlier. Now that he's a part of the starting rotation and he's, uh, you know, having mass production. So I, I just think that you need to do the right thing. This would be sad that you will have a, yet another pass rush, go to another team and have them, And they, you had opportunity to sign them. I mean, it, it it makes me literally sick to my stomach every time Trey Hendrickson get a sack. Like, literally. It, it makes me sick to my stomach every time he gets a sack. It made me feel like when the Saints traded Darren Sproles to Philadelphia in his first year, you were just out there balling out. It just, when you when you know guys have something to bring to the table and you're watching them on another team when they were an integral part of your team's success, it just makes me sick to my stomach. So I don't want to see that happen with Carl Grandison. Let's go ahead and lock him up. I mean, I know that sometimes pass rushes don't come in the form of the way that you want them to, right? We thought that uh, Marcus Davenport was going to be the success of the cam, didn't work out. Thought that Peyton Turner would be, it, it looks like that's not going to be the case. I mean, these guys come in, you know, and they get opportunities and they take advantage of the opportunities. And uh, Carl Grandison is doing that. Uh, TJ, uh, what are your thoughts about the second red zone trip on Monday? Knowing the Panthers couldn't move the ball on us, would you have gone for it on Fort at the five yard line? Just curious. Um, you never want like I feel like with that type of mind frame, Brandon, that's a little bit of a, a cockiness right there, you know. And I understand like you want to have a level of cockiness, right? You want to feel like you're better than the other team. I, I feel you on that, but I think it was the right decision at the time because even though uh Carolina couldn't move the football that is true my friend the Saints couldn't do it either you know what I'm saying like they couldn't get the ball into the end zone like the offense was just as stagnant as Carolina's was if you want to be honest with you now some of that was self-inflicted but nevertheless because you're not gelling you're not clicking things haven't been proven that you can actually score in the red zone that hasn't been proven I think they made the right decision now if this was one of those cases Brandon where the Saints were like in a 75, 80 percentile when it comes to red zone efficiency, I say go for it. But there was nothing that we've seen over the last couple of weeks or the last few drives in the red zone that would give you the confidence that the Saints would be able to score on fourth down, get a first down or something like that. You know, like there's nothing that has been proven. So I, I say go with the points. 
Now, Brandon, if this maybe five, six weeks down the line and the Saints kind of solve their red zone issues and you're starting to see a little bit of an up, uh, uptick when it comes to red zone touchdowns instead of field goals, I say you make that decision right then and there. But based on what we saw and how things are going for as red zone, I think they made the right decision. Marcus may suspended three games. Thank you, Galaxy. I appreciate that, man. Um, I think we, we, we be t- we've been talking about that, but I appreciate it, man. Uh, would true Saints fans want the big, sexy plays or lose or take the ugly win we have now? Look, I don't know. You know, I, I think that let me let me just say this, Charles. I'm I don't blame I don't blame a lot of NFL fans or Saints fans for feeling the way that they do. Because the NFL has programmed us to feel like we have to see offensive fireworks to know that our team is great. And that's not always the case. Like if okay, and, and you have a lot of Man, I hate to be picking on my 20-year-olds, uh, my late 20s, but you have a lot of you know, people that age, that's what they've been trained to, to know. And they really haven't seen you know, the way the NFL used to be before they started cracking down on the big hits and cracking down on going over the middle and, you know, and all these different things about the quarterbacks and protecting them. You know, It used to be a time where your team wins 17 to 13, and you out there dancing in the street. Like, the mind frame that people have, uh, Charles, it used to be just like how you feel. And I'm pretty sure because, you know, you wrote that, you're you're more of the latter, right? you rather take an ugly win uh, than, you know, a pretty loss, right? Uh, but that's how modern-day NFL fans have been programmed. Like, to see offensive explosion, to see your team putting up 30-plus points, and not to mention... That has been a status quo for 15 straight years with the New Orleans Saints. No matter what the defense looked like, the offense was always high-powered because Drew Brees was out there, and you know you're about to score some touchdowns when number nine is under under center. So a lot of people have been programmed a certain way. A lot of people have been following the Saints when that was the status quo. Now we transition to a team that is more defensive-driven, more so than offense, and now we're looking like, well, look at Detroit. Uh, not so much this year, but in years past, look at Kansas City. Um, you know, look at some of these other teams that's putting up all these points, the Cowboys. Why isn't my team looking like this? But there's different ways that you can win football games. You know, I hate to use this example for all my Peter lovers out there, but there's a different way to skin a cat, right? You don't have to go out there and score 30 points a game in order for you to feel like your team is legit. I feel like this team is legit with a defense and an offense the way that it is right now. Because when the offense gets on board, even if they get on board to a point where they're scoring 23 to 26 points a game, guess what? If you still have that defense out there, you're still going to find success. So I think a lot of people feel like their, their team's success is defined by offensive innovation, offensive efficiency, and scoring almost every time you get out there. And that's just not the case. Like, it's not the case for, for many teams. Now, you you can have some wonder kid type uh, offensive coordinators that can, uh, you know, come up with game plans where you're scoring a whole bunch of points. And, you know, but if you look around the league, not many teams are doing it. So 
I don't, I don't know. Like I said, I don't have a problem with it at all. I don't have an issue with the New Orleans Saints and, and how the defense is the catalyst for this team because we know for years the offense was. And I do feel like at times both sides of the ball need to take turns. They need to take turns. Like, you know, if you have a quarterback like Patrick Mahomes, I don't feel like you should take it for granted because he can erase a deficit like that. I don't. I think that you should try to make it so he doesn't have to erase deficits consistently because I think that's what happened with the New Orleans Saints. I think that in the 2000 odds when it comes to playoff success, Super Bowl appearances, it's because they relied too much on Drew. And they felt like, well, you know what? We got Drew. We got Drew. But now that you don't have Drew anymore, it forces you to be able to you know, try to win in other ways. And right now, the New Orleans Saints don't have that, that, you know, that cerebral quarterback that you can count on to erase deficits, you know, at the drop of a hat. Now you have to have a defense to be able to complement the offense that's struggling. But once again, if this offense starts to get it together, then you're going to have an issue with the New Orleans Saints when you play them on Sunday or on Thursday, you know? So I just think, you know, like I have no issue with that. I, I really feel like one year it should be like the passing game. It should be dominant. But next year I should see some nuances of the running game like showing his head. I should see the defense taking over. And right now what we're seeing is we're seeing a changing of the guards. And some of, some of you Saints fans never seen it this way. I mean, a lot of you, your childhood consists of Drew Brees is a beast what the hell is wrong with my defense? Like, that's been that's been the talk, right? So it's kind of weird looking at the Saints as a grown man, as a grown woman, when you're like 10 and 11 years old, you're watching this offense just go up and down the field. Now it's kind of weird looking at a team that can't go up and down the field offensively, but the defense is just out there wreaking havoc. Like, it's kind of weird. But I'm not mad at it. I, I, and I think you should, I, I don't think, any Saints fans out there should be mad at it either. You should actually be excited about this because as long as these guys can stay healthy, I'm talking about on the offensive side of the ball. I'm talking about your playmakers. I'm talking about Mike T. I'm talking about Chris Olave. I'm talking about Rasheed Shaheed. I think we should be cool. And then you also got to add that AK is coming back. So whatever offensive ailments they're having right now, if you're a churchgoer, they used to have a song that says, I'm so glad trouble don't last always. Trouble is not going to last always. So you know that the offensive explosion is going to come, but it comes with repetition. It comes with guys being on the same page, developing chemistry. But in the process, at least you have a defense that can be able to help the offense until they figure it out. You know, so... I mean, sometimes, you know, it's the, the waiting game is the most frustrating thing about it. The, the waiting game, the waiting on the offense to improve is the frustrating thing. And sometimes waiting on something, it kind of overshadows the fact that you're winning because it is, it's not convincing enough, right? I think that's why, you know, some of us Saints fans are kind of on the edge a little bit. We're like, I don't know about this. Hey, we winning, but, yeah, you know, but you want to see the offense take off along with the defense to put your mind at ease, right? It's kind of hard to press that tweet and say my team is a beast when 
hey, you beat Tennessee by one. Hey, your offense can't score in the red zone. Like, it's kind of hard to hit that, that tweet and say, my team is better than yours, right? It's kind of, you know, it's kind of weird. But I, I still think that this is a good football team. Uh, and consider this TJ Jones. Uh, if we had a quarterback that was efficient, we would be putting more up on the board and our defense would be on the bench more. Well, I will say this. Um, they're out there. You know, like, it, it's not like they're just getting three and out, three and out, three and out. Like, it's not like that. Like, they're, they're sustaining drives. They sustain quite a few drives. Like, I don't know what the time of possession was uh, against Carolina. If somebody got some time, if you can actually put that out there. But it wasn't to a point where it's like, Man, you know what I'm saying? Three and out, three and out, three and out, like Andy Dalton mode. You know, like I used to call them the three and out boys. They're 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 sustaining drives. So that tells me like your offense is tr trending in the right direction. The biggest issue is when you actually are sustaining drives, coming away with touchdowns instead of field goals. I don't think the defense is getting worn down uh, because the offense is out there long enough in order for them boys to get some Gatorade. Problem is, when the defense giving you short fields because they're generating turnovers, when they're giving you the ball back because they are creating three and outs, you got to be able to go out there and take advantage of those extra possessions if it's a turnover. Or when they give you the ball back, you got to be able to get the ball down the field. It's just that simple. But I just think that over time, we are probably see improvements, like depending on if everybody stays healthy. You know? Let's see. Uh, my thing is, I hope it don't be too late before the offense gets it together with games coming up against the Lions, Jaguars, Falcons. Those teams can put up points. Uh, Tyra, look, I want you to understand this, too. And that's a great point. But also. Anybody that knows me knows that um, my minor was theater. I used to uh, minor in theater when I was at Jackson State. So, you know, I used to be a part of plays. But before it was the night of production. We used to do what they call a run through, right? We would we would go out on stage in full garb, our, our characters or what have you. Uh, you'll have the people that that work behind the scenes and crew. They'll be changing out sets and stuff like that. A dress rehearsal, right? Because of what the Saints are going through offensively, this probably is a good thing, Tyra. Because if you think about it, what if the Saints would have started off the season taking on the Detroit Lions, having these offensive issues? probably would be a very good night for him, you know, like, because despite the fact that, you know, I mean, I don't want to say despite, but the Detroit Lions can put up points. They can put up points and the defense, they probably will put forth their best effort, but that's a really good offense over there. Like I, I, I would, like as good as the Saints defense is, I would be shocked if they was to like hold the Detroit Lions to field goals. But my whole point is, this can be used as like a dress rehearsal. Thank goodness you're going up against teams right now that's trying to figure it out. With Tennessee, that was a whole new offensive line right there. And you have a quarterback in Ryan Tannehill who, who has the pressure of a thousand stones on top of him because you got Malik Willis and Will Levis waiting in the wings, waiting for you to fail. Then you go up against a Carolina Panthers team with nearly a 50% turnover in roster with a brand new quarterback who is trying to figure out the speed of the NFL. 
So a lot of what the New Orleans Saints are actually going through and because of who they're playing, it's probably best because every single week you get to play teams, you get to look at film, you get to look at your offense, you get to look at what went wrong. Quarterback can talk to receiver, receiver can talk to quarterback, running backs can figure out what they're doing, and also the offensive line can figure out what the heck they're going to do. And by the time you actually are reaching your stride, you are playing the Jaguars, you are playing the Lions, and you are playing the Falcons. And that game would be a little bit more competitive than what it would have been in week one when you have a bunch of guys that didn't play in preseason. So this is their first time actually absorbing any type of contact. And this is the first time they're actually using what they learned in practice in real time in order for them to beat the opposition. So it's probably a good thing that you're not going up against Jacksonville or you're not going up against Atlanta right now. By the time you actually get your offense together, you should be clicking on all cylinders. So there's a blessing in disguise that they actually are playing these teams that are offensive, offensively uh, inept right now. Uh, I hope uh, the slow start doesn't come back to bite the Saints. Uh, I don't think so. I think it's a it's a learning curve, and it's coming up against teams once again that the Saints are lucky to be playing at this particular time. Uh, Derek Carr in the fourth quarter has outstanding passes. Yeah, I mean he does. Uh, you know, Everett. Uh, I, I think that when you look at, I think that when you look at uh, Derek Carr, it's probably a good thing that you're actually seeing this right now. You know, I wish, once again, we would actually see this throughout the totality of the game, but we're not, but it, it is a positive, it's a silver lining to these dark clouds because we know there's going to come a time where the Saints are going to need a four-quarter a four heroic play, and they're going to need some good quarterback play, and he has shown that he can provide that. So that's a good thing um, if, you, if we want to get real, you know, so – to know that you actually have a quarterback that's capable of making a clutch pass or making a clutch play in general in order to set the team up with a field goal that's needed or a touchdown that's needed. That's, that's a positive thing. Uh, you answered that perfectly. And yes, I'm 53 and been a saints uh, fan since Archie uh, patience is definitely a virtue. Yeah. I mean, look, a lot of us have uh, been saints fans for a long time. We remember the nineties, uh, you know, early two thousands, what have you, and, uh, you know, I, I look, I'm not saying that to, like, make it seem like, oh, you know, I, I'm a I'm that type of Saints fan. I know what I'm talking about. What I'm saying is, like, it, it's kind of like the example that I used the, the last episode. It's like when people, you know, talk about what they would have done in certain eras, you know, that they weren't a part of. You're, you're using it with modern eyes, right? You know, I used the example I said when, you know, during the 50s when, Things were segregated. You know, like people would talk about, man, if that was me, I would have did this. Nah, you probably would have got seriously hurt or put in jail. You know what I'm saying? So you wouldn't have did that. You would have followed suit. You know, that that's that was my whole point. You know what I'm saying? Like we, you know, when you're from a certain era, you kind of follow that particular trend. A lot of us, you know, remember when defenses were, you know, reigning supreme. We remember when you go up, when going across the middle was a suicide mission. Uh, we remember like when they, when you used to get a concussion, they tell you get back in the game and give you some smelling salt. Like we, we understand it. And it's not that we're trying to see it, make it seem like we yeah, have back in the day, there was really, we were really men were men and women were women. Like, no, it's, it's, 
you you have no choice but to kind of follow the guidelines and the errors in which you were consumed. You know what I'm saying? I mean, you know, like that just that's just what it is. Like conceived, excuse me, conceived. You you are, you know what I'm saying, you just a part of the era. So a lot of you think or uh, you know what I'm saying have been programmed to believe that when it comes to offensive efficiency, if your team is not putting up 35, 40 points, then your team is not very good. But a lot of us, you know, remember when defenses reigned supreme, we realized that it's not that bad, you know, because at, at times there were teams that had really good defenses and their offense was very, very suspect and they still were able to win games. I can name a few, you know, I mean, we can think about the Baltimore Ravens. We can think about the 85 Bears. I think about the, uh, Neil O'Donnell led Pittsburgh Steelers back in the day when they went to the Super Bowl against Dallas. You know, like you, you know about these different teams and you know when the defense led the team. And I mean, you can even get, you know, you can even mention the, the Legion of Boom because that was the, before Russell Wilson really started to get into his prime. I ain't talking about Russell Wilson now. But I'm talking about the Russell Wilson, you know, you know, that was trying to figure it out and had some really good seasons. So, it's not your fault. You know, it's not your fault. I mean, it's just, it's just the way of the world. Like you basically just kind of just follow suit and that's, that's just your reality. And, you know, grandmama, daddy can tell you about the era they grew up in. You know, when you put a quarter in a, in a pay phone, when everybody didn't have cell phones, uh, you know, when, you know, stuff like that, we used to, you know, have a beep on you, you know, you had to go, you know, get a, a quarter and, you know what I'm saying? Peas deposit 35 cent. I mean, this sounds funny to some of y'all, but you know, that's that's just the era that we were in. But you know, some of you don't have that. But it's okay. Because it, it it creates great conversation between generations. Uh, if we healthy and we can keep all our uh, key players, we can hang with anybody. That's the only thing been robbing us the uh, last few years. I agree. Um, yeah, I mean, the injuries have, have plagued the New Orleans Saints, um, key players being out and inconsistency at certain positions at, at key moments. So hopefully the Saints can actually get all that stuff together. I think it's long overdue. I think we all can agree. It, we want to see what this team can be like when they're relatively healthy. I mean, we know that injuries are going to happen as football, but hopefully they don't happen in droves and in lesions like the New Orleans Saints uh, have been over the last couple of years. What about Trent Dilfer-led uh, Ravens team that won it? I, I just mentioned that. Yeah, the, I was saying the 2000 Ravens. Exactly. You know, the 2000 Ravens. Uh, let's see. Seemed like deja vu again from last year offense, TJ. Yeah, it is, look, it is looking a little bit, you know, stagnant, but they still finding ways to win games and they still making plays when necessary. So... With you know, as long as they're doing that, I think we'll be okay. I mean, it's easy. It's better to fix things in a win than a loss. And I know it's only so many weeks we can say that, but I mean, it's just the truth. Uh, we need to help Trevor Penning with a tight end. I think that's the issue, Everett. Why the tight ends aren't really catching passes? I mean, I could be wrong. I ain't watching all twenty-two. Um, but when you have the tight end stand in to you know help with the uh, pass protection. You know, it can't take away Jawan Johnson from a play. It can't take away Foster Morrow, even though Foster has some really good catches in the game. I, I mean, it, it can't take away from what the tight ends can do. And I think it may have something to do 
with why the tight ends aren't an integral part of the offense right now. If Trevor Penning can kind of figure it out with pass protection to a point where he's not really needing a chip or needing tight ends to stay in, I think that's when you'll start to see guys like Faustin and Jawine make some plays, you know? So uh, let's see. Uh, what up, TJ and who that nation, regardless uh, to how the season turns out, one thing is for sure, next offseason, we got to address the old line considering how uh, it's looking so far. Yeah, I think uh, I would first, I would start with Doug Marone. Um, I think I would probably change him out, probably get someone else, I don't know, from the college ranks or somebody that you can, you know, probably uh, elevate um, that's probably already in-house or look around the league. That's why I would start. Because if you look across the line, for the exception of, what, left guard, you're probably going to want to draft one of those. Like, you probably want to draft it or – it could be one of those situations where Nick Seldevery steps up. I mean, he played pretty well in preseason, and I'm pretty sure one year under his belt, he probably will develop and you'll see what you actually have. So if he actually turns out being pretty good, uh, that would be a that would be great, right? But let's just say you want to, you know, see an offensive lineman in the first round, uh, I say draft him. I think that left guard should be on the Saints radar. Uh, going into the 2024 draft. I, I really do. I think that that is top priority to me. Um, if, you, if, if you're looking across the board, um, you know, that, that, would probably be, that would probably be the position that I'm looking at, left guard. You know, I don't, I, you're not going to go after a quarterback unless, like, a, you know, a great quarterback or a, a quarterback that has the potential to be great falls in your lap. That's the only way I would say not to draft a left a left guard that's the only that's the only way i would say that right but if you don't have that quarterback get a guard i mean that that's top priority in me i mean let let um andrews pete go let james hurst go um push come to shove i mean nick sell can be your backup guard right or your backup right guard left or right you know like but i, I think the top priority to me is left guard. It may not be the sexiest pick. I know we wanna we wanna get the uh, Marvin Harrison, uh, Mar Harrison Juniors, and we wanna get uh, the Shadur Sanderses. But look, if you can get a, a left guard, you know, a guy you know that can you know play and you know he can be a, a huge part of what you're doing. I say draft him. Uh, good point, TJ. Let's start from the top. Sometimes you gotta look at who is coaching these guys as well position coaches yeah I, I think that you start with that because i mean you know basically paid everybody on the right side i mean from eric mccoy to Ramchek, all these guys are under contract right Cesar Ruiz just got himself in this extension you extended ryan Ramchek last year you extended eric mccoy last year so no you extended uh ryan Ramchek the year before eric mccoy last year um uh, Cesar Ruiz this year so to me, I think, you know, based on his injury history and I think you can get more than what he's giving you. And Andrews Pete, I think you let him go. And Trevor Pennant is your first round pick. So you got him for another, what, three seasons before you actually have to think about paying him. So you got to this, this, this is your offensive line, who that nation. I mean, it is what it is. I know some people are like, man, we need to get this. We need to. This is your offensive line. Eric McCoy isn't going anywhere. Cesar Ruiz isn't going anywhere. Ryan Ramchek ain't going nowhere. Uh, Trevor Pennant ain't going anywhere. So the only thing that remains is that left guard. 
And that's why I feel like the Saints are going to go in 2024 in the first round. Because that is the that is the position of need, if you ask me. But to but I would start with the uh the coaching staff. I, I would I would say Doug Marone tough a tough outing as the offensive uh line coach of the Saints. Uh when DC and Ruggs uh finally uh clicked on the same page, they were making plays. I can see that for all the wide receivers on the Saints team. Don't worry about the offense. Uh, DC has always had a bad old line. They will improve. Uh, that comes from Derek Carr. I mean, Sandy, that may be the case, but you don't want to see this guy getting hit. And then also, man, we, you know, you want to make sure and you have presented yourself in a way of, hey, I know where you came from, but we're better here, right? And uh, if if you, if that was your selling point, it is is not very convincing right now because he was taking hits in in Las Vegas or in Oakland, and now he's taking hits in New Orleans. You know, I mean, the the defense was as advertised, and I'm pretty sure that makes him happy because he doesn't have to put everything on himself. But at the same time, like, you don't want to get your quarterback killed. You want him to feel like everything resembles Vegas, right? So I think that you need to fix this offensive line in order for them to, for them to get better. But I do agree. I, I think that it's too early. I think it's too, I think it's too early to tell. And um, I think that, you know, as time goes on, I think you will see improvements. Jerry says, uh, TJ, thoughts on Jordan Howden filling in? Um, I, I, I believe in a kid. He's a leader. Um, he was one of the leaders on the Minnesota Golden Golfers team. Uh, he has a lot of really good qualities. He has, like, really good uh, length to him. Uh, he's a good sound tackler. But, you know, I, I, even if he gets activated, I don't think that, you know, it's just going to be him. I think more than likely it's probably going to be Ugo Amadi there, uh, Lonnie Johnson Jr. It's going to kind of just be a little bit of a rotation. I don't think that it's just going to be him out there. Um, I think that the Saints are probably going to, you know, kind of alternate these guys. They're probably going to have Jordan Howden play on special teams and move Lonnie Johnson uh, on, on special teams, even though I feel like that would be a mistake because, Lonnie Johnson has been playing outstanding on special teams for the last two weeks, but I, I think it's going to be a rotation of those guys, not just Jordan Howden, but I think the sky's the limit for him. I, I think that uh, he had a really good training camp. I think that he made some plays uh, in his opportunities in preseason, but he's still young. Um, you're asking a guy to come in kind of, you know, you know, right off the street, so to speak, you know, and, and being thrust into the lineup as a rookie. So, to not make things so overwhelming for him, I definitely will probably have Lonnie Johnson start the first game. And maybe if I activate him, put him on special teams, kind of sprinkle him in in certain packages. But I have confidence in him. I have confidence in him. But we all know that those rookies can have a little bit of a learning curve. And also, you know, the, the worst thing about this whole um, Marcus May suspension is you can see the communication improving in the secondary because these guys understand one another. They've been around each other. They understand each other's tendencies. So the next guy that comes in is, is a guy that a lot of these guys in the secondary are learning about. So that that can be a concern. That's something to be on the lookout for in the game uh, versus Green Bay. But we'll see. But I want to say thank you all for checking out the State of the Saints podcast. I ask that you hit the like button. Uh, on your way out. I really do appreciate your time. Uh, be sure to check out the State of the Saints podcast on all streaming platforms, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Anchor FM, um, a part of Megaphone. Uh, you can check out episodes of the State of the Saints podcast on HNSN, 
uh, download the app, HNSN app. Uh, you'll be able to check out the SOTS podcast over there. Um, and uh, it's just a weekly show that I do uh, talking about the New Orleans Saints news around the NFL. Um, also, you can follow me on Twitter or X at TJAY Jones 8. I really do appreciate you all's time. Uh, we will be talking more about the Saints versus Green Bay Packers, uh, keeping you up to date on uh, Saints news uh, throughout the week. And uh, we'll just continue to, uh, you know, work hard to make this offense better. You know what I'm saying? I guess, you know, <laughs> hopefully they get better. Uh, you know, the, the Saints, I'm pretty sure they'll turn it around, but they got to be ready for a team in Green Bay, man, because Green Bay lost uh, and they're going to be very, very motivated in front of their home crowd. Till next time, all I got to say is, who that? Hey, don't let these tears fool you. It's all dog around this mug. I'm good. <laughs>